Hallelujah. That's right. Let's do that again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. That is good news. This is good news that we come to celebrate here today. The good news that the church is founded upon, this message of hope. There would be no church without that message that Christ is risen. We have no reason for being here without that message that Christ is risen. This is the message that we proclaim to the world. This is that we stand on the shoulders of those who have witnessed the resurrection, who have proclaimed it before us, and who have handed the faith down. And so we are called to be those witnesses who carry that message forward, this message of hope. So we're starting a new sermon series as we go through. Easter's not just a day, it's a season. It's actually a season of six weeks. And so we're going to be looking at, we're going to dive into Luke 24 today, and then we're going to look at uh, some passages in Acts with this idea of this theme of, can I get a witness? That's the name of our sermon series. And the goal, the purpose of the sermon series is to be empowered and equipped to grow in our witness of the risen Christ. So we're going to dive in today at Luke 24. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to turn your Bibles. If you have uh, if your Bibles, uh, there, there's a few Bibles there. If you have your Bibles, you brought them. You can open up to Luke chapter 24. And the purpose of this sermon today is simple. In order to be a witness of the resurrection, you and I have to experience the resurrection. We have to experience the resurrection in order to go and be people who can proclaim it to the world. And as you're turning there, I think, I think of this like we're going to be looking at this, uh, this journey that a lot of the disciples and others take on the Emmaus Road. Maybe you've read this passage before. And for me, when I read this, this is much like, it feels much like I'm being transported to another world. Much like a, a portal for kids. If you've, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, what's the portal that the, that, that the kids have to go through? The wardrobe, exactly. Or if you've read Harry Potter, what's the portal that they have to go through? Platform nine and three quarters, right? Yeah, right? It's a, it's a portal tr- where you're transported to another world. And actually, the Emmaus Road, is, is a tr- it's not just being transported. It's, it's a transformative experience where we're transformed from despair to hope. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read the whole passage, and I want to invite you to kind of enter into that portal, to enter into this world, because that's what the Scriptures are. They're a living and active. They're sharper than any double-edged sword, and they tell us the story, and we can enter into it. So Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning to the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them like an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home and marveled at, marveling at what had happened. 
That very day, two of them were going on the, to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing this together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since all these things have happened. And moreover, some of the women who are of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that even a vision of angels who said he was alive, they had seen. Some of those who were with us at the tomb had, and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going to go farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with, with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to him, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you doubt, do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And, what he had said that, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds and to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it was written, it is written, that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Praise to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this story, this journey. I pray that this would not be just words on a page, but this uh, would be, or an event that we remember, but this is an event we can actually be transformed by. That 
We can be transformed from despair to hope. You have called us to be people of hope because of the resurrection. I pray that you would give us hope, that your word would give us faith and hope. Would you give us eyes to see you? Would you give us ears to hear you? Would you give us hearts that burn even as we hear your word? We pray that your word would be the power of salvation for all who believe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just had spring break, and some of you here um, may have gone to the beach. I actually went on a journey myself. I took my son Jonah to, on a college tour. Went to see five colleges in about five days. Uh, and as we were going to visit these colleges, on each college we would go to, we would go on a college campus tour where a tour guide would take us around and they would show us some of the main attractions of the college and they would kind of give their pitch of this is, these are the main attractions, this is where learning takes place, and this is how you can be transformed if you come to our college. And the whole time, you know, we're trying to kind of locate ourselves on this journey, like where are we? Where, like, not only just like on the campus, like where are we? Like what is this place that we, where we are at? What's the attraction that we're looking at? But we're also trying to kind of figure out kind of what this means for us. And I say this because as we come into this passage, I want to invite you to kind of locate where you are. You might be anywhere in regards to the Christian faith. Some of you in here have professed faith. Some of you in here have been believers for a long time. Some of you in here may be exploring the faith. Maybe that's where you locate yourself. Some of you in here may be apathetic to the faith. Maybe you think, oh, somebody brought me here. I don't really really care. You know, I've, I have a certain history. I just kind of apathetic. Some of you may be against the faith. Wherever you are, just locate yourself. And I want to invite you, actually, because this is a journey that we can all go on. I want to invite you into this journey to follow Jesus, follow the resurrected Jesus to be transformed. This is a, the Emmaus Road is a transformative journey from despair to hope. I love this quote from the Reverend C.T. Vivian. He's one of the great civil, civil rights leaders that, from Atlanta. Uh, it's, in your bull, it's in your worship guide if you have it. He says this, this is from some of his Easter notes, sermon notes. He says, The scene in that room before Mary came to, from the tomb, they were a huddle of dispirited and frightened men. But they were lifted and became vibrant and daring, disciplined disciples. Easter lifted these men. That's my hope for us, is, is we, no matter where you are, maybe you're even a believer here, and you need to experience the resurrection afresh and anew. I hope that this Easter you are lifted, lifted by the good news that Christ is risen. Well, we begin here. Let's, let's begin our journey. Verse 1. Let's remember the scene here. Look back with me at verse 1. And as we look back here, we see that these women have brought spices to the burial, which was custom at the time. This was a customary death ritual. They were coming because they believed Jesus was dead. They went to the tomb to provide a customary ritual of, with the body. While the men were huddled up, kind of hidden away, frightened for their lives. There was a lot of despair in that moment. As before we get to the Emmaus Road, there was a lot of despair, there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of doubt. They were frightened because they, and let's pause here for a moment, let's not just jump to being transformed right away because the despair was real. They had given, these disciples, these women had given their lives 
to Jesus. They followed him. They believed that he was the great Messiah, the hope of Israel for all the world. And they believed that he was going to put things right. And here, they put their entire faith in him, and he was dead. They were completely confused. They were completely filled with despair. And, and I want to kind of look, this is like, no matter where you are, like in regards to the Christian faith, we can all locate ourselves right here because we are all filled with despair at times. Maybe some of you come into this room, went to Easter, and you've been filled with despair because of financial problems or because of health problems or because of marriage or parenting problems. There's all sorts of reasons why you and I can believe and think that brokenness is winning. Maybe you come in here and you feel like death and despair is winning in your life. That you don't, that you kind of come in here with maybe just a little bit of hope. We, we all have that common ground because we all have a common enemy. No matter who you are, the common enemy that we have is death. We are all looking down at death. No matter what you come in with your perspective on life is, we all have a common enemy. We can all locate ourselves at that common beginning. This is where we find ourselves. But again, this, this journey is to move us out of despair. And so even though maybe you need to name that in your own heart and mind right now, where are you located? And to name it and to grieve it. But let's start this journey, a journey towards hope, a transformative journey. And there's different as I go along, I kind of want to locate, there's different transformative locations where I want to kind of look at and learn from certain characters and name what is transformed in these characters and what can be transformed in us from despair to hope. What does it look like to be transformed into a person of hope, to a people of hope? Let's look at verses 2 through 10. If you kind of have your Bibles open, you can, I'm going to be moving. The reason I read that so fast is because this is, these events are happening fast. This is like a fast event. This is, all happens in one day. So there's a lot, of, there's a lot going on in a, a real fast pace. If you look back at verses 2 through 10, remember the women are the first ones at the empty tomb. And they're there because they're wanting to perform this customary ritual with the spices. They heard, we find out later, the angels proclaimed to them that Jesus had been, he was not there. They discovered the empty tomb for themselves, and then they hear the angels proclaim that Christ had, has risen. And then if you follow the text, what does it say? They remembered, once they heard the angels proclaimed, proclaimed the truth, they remembered, oh yeah, that's what Jesus said. And they believed. And they not only believed, they went back to the 11 disciples and they proclaimed the good news to the 11 disciples. We are all here because of the witness of these women. We are all here because these women believed and proclaimed the good news to the 11. They were the first ones. These women were transformed into witnesses with resurrection voices. With the resurrection voices. And actually, I want to have, uh, 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 Francie, you can cue this clip here. Um, I'm going to introduce this clip that we're about to watch. Uh, at the end of our spring break journey, my son and I went to the National Civil Rights Museum, 
where we looked at, we were at the, which is located at the Lorraine Motel, where we were looking at the place where MLK was assassinated. One of the things, I didn't even actually know this, um, one of MLK's last, some of his last words were a request. As he was dying, he had a request that the song, Take My Hand, Precious Lord, would be sung at his funeral. And here, this is a clip of Mahalia Jackson singing, using her voice, amidst all this sort of despair. She was using her voice to not only fulfill MLK's wish, but to proclaim resurrection in the midst of despair. And I want you to hear her sing as, uh, as we pull up this clip. I was really struck by this. I mean, what, what a beautiful voice, what a beautiful song. I was struck by this actually because this song was sung in my own home as a kid. Uh, my dad uh, actually sung this when he was washing the dishes. And so I had a personal connection with this. And actually my dad requested that he, about 15 years ago that he, we play this at his funeral. Um, and I didn't, even know, I didn't even know the connection with Dr. King. Um, and so I kind of asked myself, I, I don't think I know why, you know, why did MLK choose this song? Um, I don't know that I can answer that question. I don't know that we have that answer. But I do know this. I do know that many black voices sang this song during times of great despair in the history of our country. Many, many black voices sang this song through the history of slavery in America. There's another, uh, Richard Wright is a famous author who wrote A Native Son. He says this, Our churches, meaning black churches, are where we dip our tired bodies in cool springs of hope where we retain our wholeness and humanity despite the blows. I was so struck by the fact that these voices were voices of resurrection hope in the midst of great despair, that our African-American brothers and sisters could come into church and they could have hope in the midst of such darkness in our nation. You are most likely here... Oh, and, and one of the things I wanted to comment about this, this, this song is actually written by Thomas Dorsey, who is kind of known as the father of, of black gospel music. He graduated from Morehouse College right here in Atlanta. Um, and I see that. And uh, that was for you. And, um, and uh, so there's a great history to this, to this song. We are called to have resurrection voices. 
because of our experience. But you are probably here, each one of you are here because you have had a voice of hope proclaim the good news of the gospel to you, whether it be your parent or a friend. You are here because somebody proclaimed the good news, the message of hope to you. And you've received it, and you're either trying to explore it or you're trying to live it out. And you, if you are especially somebody who has professes faith, you are called to have a resurrection voice, a beautiful resurrection voice. You are called to look at the same world. We can look at the same world filled with despair, but you are the one who can be a witness and use your voice as a voice of hope. I want you to imagine, how can you do that? How can you have a resurrection voice in your life? How can you be a witness? How can you be a voice of hope and proclaim the good news? Well, I've got to move along here. This is a long passage. To the second location here, if we look back at uh, verses 11 and 12. We see here, this is where the women come and proclaim the good news. Christ is risen. The 11 don't believe it. The 11 disciples think this is an idle tell. They don't believe it. So Peter and John, we find out from the other gospel accounts, Peter and John run to the tomb. <laughs> I love, there's so much running happening. They run to the tomb to, to see what has happened for themselves. And I, I just want to stop for a second here. They, these, these disciples are running with feet that they're going to use later on. They're going to be two of the primary witnesses that are going to proclaim the good news. They're going to take their feet throughout the world, and they're going to proclaim the good news. But they don't believe yet. They're running with their feet to go check out the good news because they're curious. They have a resurrection curiosity. So before we jump to John and Peter being these great witnesses, they had followed Jesus. They were two of his closest friends, two of his closest disciples. They didn't believe. They had to go check it out. And, and here's the, the point with this. Jesus gives us resurrection feet to go proclaim the good news. But first, we have to be curious. I want to give a trip a little credit here he picked up. You have a, if you have a worship guide, uh, picked out this artwork here. Uh, this is by a Swiss painter, uh, Eugene Bernand. This is John and Peter who are running to the cross. And if you kind of look at their eyes, you can kind of see sort of this curiosity that they have. And so friends, the, the, the main point I want to locate us here is that we can have resurrection feet that run to check out with curiosity the good news of the gospel. If, if you're a believer here, I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been through seminary, and I still have curiosity. I still have things that I'm still checking out. And that's one of the things that whether you're, sometimes we can find common ground, whether you're a Christian who professes faith or whether you're somebody who's exploring faith. Some of the best conversations I've had is having a common curiosity. Maybe you're exploring the faith, and maybe you need to run and check out the cross to say, hey, what is, what is this? Friends, I want to encourage you, let's find common ground to have that common curiosity. If you're a Christian, don't ever lose your curiosity. Just because you're here and you profess faith doesn't mean that you still shouldn't be curious. <laughs> you should be curious. That's what leads you to grow in your faith, your curiosity. Be, let's be curious together about the faith. So, we're get, we are called to have resurrection voices, resurrection feet. But thirdly, this is kind of the meat of our passage here. 
I want to look at verses 13 through 35. This is where we really get on the Emmaus road. And we learn that, I mean, you can follow along with me, I'm just going to kind of summarize what I read earlier. We learn that these two people, Cleopas and his companion, which is probably most likely his spouse, his wife, were traveling on the Emmaus Road. And this conversation is so interesting, is it not? I mean, what a weird conversation. Number one, they come across Jesus, and they don't even recognize him. So that should tell us something, that there's something new happening. There's something different about Jesus. And they, they, they can't recognize him. They don't know who he is. And there's something new and different. And like good, these are, you kind of, they're, they're like good witnesses. They recount the events. In the conversation, if you look at the verses, they go through like a good witness and they recount all the events that they've, they've experienced so far. How do you not know what's happening in Jerusalem? Everybody's talking about this. They can't believe this person doesn't know. So they recount everything they've seen and everything they've heard like a good witness. And Jesus begins <laughs> to explain to them what these events mean. They're, see, they could, call, they could recall the events, but they didn't know what it meant yet. And Jesus opens their eyes so that they can see what these events mean. He explains that all the scriptures are centered on him. The law and the prophets are all centered on him. This is, the, this is where we get the fact that the whole scripture, all of the Bible, is all about Jesus. Every single thing in the Old Testament, all the law, all the prophets, point to Jesus. They all are predicting Jesus. And when Jesus comes in his life and ministry, it's a fulfillment of that. Everything is about the life, the death, de the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. And Jesus says it right here. You can trust the fact that all the Bible is about him. And the message is, everything's leading to the message is that our common enemy, death, is defeated. A common enemy that we had at the beginning of Scripture, death, that was entered in, that's defeated. That's, the, that's what they're listening to Jesus explain. He explains this to them. Not only is death defeated, but a new world has begun. There's something new. There's something different that has begun. And their hearts burn. They, they, they get to the Emmaus, and they kind of get to the end of the road, and they beg Jesus to stay with them. And he says, okay, I'll stay with you. Did you ever notice how much eating is happening in this passage? <laughs> it's kind of cool. He's like, okay, let's sit down. Let's have dinner. I mean, we're going to see this in the next few passages here, but Jesus is clearly showing the blueprint for resurrection is a bodily resurrection. He was raised in a new body that he could eat bread and sit down and enjoy fellowship with Cleopas and his companion. And we're given at the end of this little section here, later on, you know, Jesus revealed himself. Finally, the big reveal comes and he reveals that he is Jesus. He is the one who he says he is. And then it says, you know, and then he vanishes. <laughs> and then it says their eyes were opened and their hearts burned. And I want to talk about that for a second. Number one, I want to talk about how their hearts burned. Why did their hearts burn? Because it was the truth. That's what happens when you and I hear the truth, right? It resonates deep in our bones and our heart, right? And this is kind of the thing about the truth. Um, my wife and I are kind of into crime dramas. Anybody into crime dramas right now? We're in this sort of weird space where we're watching reruns of Hawaii Five-0. Um, 
Don't ask me why. But uh, the, I think we like it because it's really predictable. <laughs> There's some crime that happens, right? There are witnesses to the crime. And then you have kind of the, the, the victor or the person who's kind of committed the crime is trying to get after the witness, right? So the, the police have to protect the witness because why? Why is that witness so important? They have the truth. They have the truth and they can proclaim it. It always ends up in where the witnesses are fine and everything kind of ends up in a clean resolution. That's why we like it. But the, the point is, in this case, witnesses, and maybe you think about this, when we think of somebody witnessing, we think of usually somebody witnessing a crime, right? But in this case, the truth burned in their hearts because they're witnessing something that is deeply, deeply true. It's so deep that it resonates in their bones, in their heart. And that's the good news. It resonates within us. You think about this, I, I can't think about the Emmaus Road without thinking about the Damascus Road, right? So not only did their hearts burn, but their eyes were opened. What happens on the Damascus Road with Paul in Acts chapter 9? Something happens to his eyes, do you remember? He's blinded. Why? Because his whole worldview has to change. He needs, he needs his eyes to change. So Jesus appears to him and blinds him so that he can see the truth. In this case, this is exactly the opposite. The Emmaus Road, Cleopas and his companion, their eyes are opened. Their eyes are completely open. And I, I, I can't, I, I was thinking a lot about, um, as I read this and was meditating on it this week, um, my wife and I went to, mine and I went to, uh, that last fall, the Van Gogh experience. I don't know if you ever saw the Van Gogh experience, which was at Pullman Yards. Um, and I learned things I didn't know about uh, Vincent Van Gogh. If you could pull up Starry Night. Um, this is one of the most famous paintings in the history of the world. And Van Gogh suffered from a lot of despair in his own life, from depression. He cut off his own ear, and he was, ended up in an asylum. And it was in the asylum where he painted this painting, in a place of complete despair and depression. He wrote letters to his brother talking about how he was in desperate need of religion. So what we do, he would do is he would go out and look at the stars at night, just trying to get an imagination of hope. We also learned, I didn't know, he, had a, he actually had a pretty significant vision impairment. He actually didn't see colors correctly. Some people say maybe he saw a lot more yellow because he painted a lot of sunflowers. But he didn't see, couldn't see. And so he was left with this despair, with this, this impairment to his eyesight. And he painted this. And I, one of the things I want to point out to you is this, if you see, there's a cypress tree. And the cypress tree is a symbol of death in the ancient world. And he painted this cypress tree because he was fascinated with this idea of death leading to life. He, he experienced so much despair and depression in his, in his world, in his own life, that he longed for hope. And he painted this painting as an encouragement to himself so that he could imagine a world where heaven and earth met, where death was transformed to life. And friends, that's what I want to encourage you today is these witnesses, Cleopas and his companion, were transformed into witnesses with resurrection eyes. Not only were we given resurrection voices, resurrection feet, but resurrection eyes to be able to see the new world that Jesus has began. We just confessed it earlier. Colossians chapter 1, Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. This is a, a, in which when we experience the resurrection, we're given eyes to see. 
so that we can look at the same world as our neighbors who may not proclaim the faith and not see despair, but we can see hope. This is what we're called to be at Villages. We're called to be a, have vision of flourishing where we promote, where we can go out into the, our neighborhood and we can see the same world but with hope of resurrection flourishing. Do you see the world with eyes of despair? Or do you see it with eyes of hope? We are called to be people of hope with resurrection eyes. The last thing I want to show you is, is much the same thing happens here in this last section. Look back at verses 36 through 49. You kind of have this similar sort of storyline. Jesus appears to the 11 disciples. They don't recognize him. They think they see a spirit. Excuse me. And Jesus says to them, peace to you, trying to kind of scare, trying not to scare them. And again, this is a blueprint for the resurrection. He actually goes further to say, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Don't you see? There's scars there. I was crucified, but now I've been raised to new life in a new body. This is a blueprint for what the resurrection is going to be like. And again, he, he actually eats with them. He's like, hey, I'm hungry. He's hungry in the new life. He's hungry. He has a, that's good to know. I like food, you know, right? He eats fish, broiled fish. And again, he explains to them that the scriptures are centered on him. Again and again and again, we see that every, every part, every section of this passage, whether the angels are proclaiming it, whether Jesus is proclaiming it on the Emmaus Road, or whether Jesus appears, he's proclaiming it, that he, the scriptures are all about him. And then he opens their minds. He gives them a resurrection understanding. He opens their minds so that they can understand. Understand what? Not only that the scriptures are centered on Jesus, but that Jesus' victory is not only for Israel, but it's for all nations. It's for the entire world. And again, I'm going to have one more clip for you. I couldn't help but to think about this clip. I know a lot's been happening in uh, the war with Russia and Ukraine. But I was super encouraged uh, with this clip by uh, President Zelensky when he was giving a message to uh, his uh, own nation, Ukraine. Are we able to pull that up or no? <laughs> I love that he winks at the end. Um, I just thought, what a simple message. Like, the war is so harsh. Sometimes the, he's talking about the weather. Spring is harsh. Right? Despair. We can be filled with despair because of, there's so many reasons. Whether it be your own, whether it be depression, whether it be war, whether it be all sorts of brokenness that happens in our world. But the good news is that we can have a resurrection understanding, and that understanding is the fact that victory has been won. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. Death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The good news is that we can proclaim. We have resurrection understanding so that we can go out and proclaim to the world the good news. That we can not only be people of hope, but we can proclaim hope 
to the nations that there is victory. That's the, that's the gospel. This word, the, the, the gospel, euangelion, is this word where somebody would come, like a messenger would come and proclaim that a war had been won. That's literally the definition. A war had been won. So they would blow a trumpet and they would say, victory is ours. That is what the gospel literally means. We have victory. So friends, the victory is already won. And it is our job as witnesses to experience that and to proclaim it. I'll finish with this. This is um, W.E.B. Du Bois' quote. Um, He was uh, uh, actually a professor at Morehouse um, long ago, before it was Morehouse. He says this, There is in this world no such force as the force of a person determined to rise. I was just so captured by that. There is in this world no such force as the force of a person determined to rise. That is a force that has been unleashed in our world. That has been unleashed because Jesus has risen from the dead. There is resurrection power that is at work in our world. And we are resurrection people who proclaim resurrection hope to the world. As C.T. Reverend C.T. Vivian said, Easter lifted these men. Easter lifted these men so that they could go out and be the witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. They were lifted from despair to hope. Friends, let's be people who are lifted from despair to hope and abide in Jesus to know his resurrection, to be united with him in his death and his resurrection so that we might be people who proclaim hope. You are witnesses. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your good word. Lord, I pray that we would be empowered and equipped to be your witnesses. Your resurrection completely reversed the entirety of the trajectory of creation. There is resurrection power at work. Thank you because of the message that can be proclaimed. I pray that you would make us into people of hope and people who proclaim your message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come now to a time in our service.